Welcome to the Nonprofit Answers Podcast, where you find answers to your marketing and fundraising questions. You will learn how to raise more money to help more people. And now your host, Jeremy Rice. Email is still one of the most effective means of communication for fundraising campaigns. It allows you to reach a wide audience with your message and your call to action. But with so many email service providers out there, how do you choose the right one for your needs and the needs of your nonprofit organization? Today, we're going to talk through a few factors that you need to keep in mind when making the decision, and then a kind of a step-by-step process for how do you pick a new email service provider for your organization. Whether you don't have an email service provider now or you're looking to change from an email service provider that you currently have, this podcast is going to be a great episode for you. Migrating email service providers can be a challenge, but selecting the right company to manage your email sends is vital for your nonprofit's digital success. So why change email service providers? The one you have may not meet all of your needs as an organization. It may not have all the features, functionality, integrations that you need in order to be successful. So today we're going to talk about the keys to consider when selecting an email service provider. First, and these aren't necessary in order of importance because your order of importance might be different than mine. But in my list, this first one is in order of importance to me when I'm looking at email service providers. And that is the integration with your donation management system. So if you have a donation management system and it doesn't already have a robust email solution in place inside of it, then when you look for a new email service provider, you need to really consider whether or not it can integrate with your donation management system. And this is, this is one of, in my mind, one of the keys to your success as a nonprofit organization, as a digital marketer at your nonprofit organization. The reason being is when you have a system that can integrate with your donation management system, it unlocks a world of things that you can do that are automated that make life much easier for you and provide a seamless and great experience for your donor. First and foremost is when a new donor comes on board, you want a welcome series to go out to this new donor immediately. You don't wanna wait with a non-integrated system to export a list of new donors, import them into your new system, send out your email uh, welcome series, and then wait some time and do it again. Uh, You're going to have someone manually having to do that if you don't have that integration in place. And it's really key for your organization for a new donor to come in to feel gratitude, to understand who your organization is, and to ask for that second gift. Because if you don't ask for that second gift in the first 60 to 90 days that somebody comes on your file as a new donor, the chance of you getting that second gift goes way down. So having that integration with your donation management system is going to be a positive for things like welcome series automations and for segmenting your appeals in the future. Otherwise, what you're going to be doing a lot of times is exporting a list of people, importing them into your email service provider, and doing that every single time you want to send an email. So having the integration in place, in my mind, is the most vital thing that you can do. And this is not simple. A lot of donation management systems don't have native integrations in place with email service providers. So it may be a challenge for you to find 
an email service provider that meets your needs and is also integrated in with your donation system. We had this problem when I was early on at Food for the Hungry with a system that only had two integrations with email service providers. One of those uh, email service providers was one that uh, prior to my joining FH had been banned. FH had been banned there uh, because of some issues. And so the the other one was the only other option and the integration was not good. So I spent about two years kind of fighting this integration and manually exporting and importing lists into this other system because the integration just frankly did not work. Finally, what we did was we found a new email service provider that was much better and a much better fit for what we needed. And we paid someone to build the integration between the two APIs. So there are options out there, but it can be a challenge if there is not a native integration and it's not with a system that provides the functionality that you need as an organization. The second key to consider when selecting an email service provider is deliverability. And deliverability is what percentage of the email you send is ending up in the inbox of your recipients. Deliverability is both hard to measure and key for your email success. And the reason it's hard to measure is you don't know for sure that once that email leaves your system, how much, how what percentage of those emails end up in the inbox on your recipient. And the reason you don't know is the email provider on the other side, like Yahoo or Gmail, may report back a deliverability, a favorable deliverability of that email, but it may not have ended up in the inbox. It might've ended up in a spam folder, might've ended up uh, in a promotions tab, it might've ended up somewhere else other than the intention of ending up in the inbox of the person that you're sending it to. There are services out there that can look at deliverability and measure deliverability of email into the inbox. Uh, these are typically not very cheap solutions, but there are uh, deliverability solutions out there. You can also ask the potential email service providers that you're looking at to give you an idea of what their deliverability percentage is. Now, deliverability is really dependent on a number of things. And number three on our list here of, of keys to consider when selecting an email service provider is whether or not the mail server that you're sending out is a shared IP or a dedicated IP. And what does that mean? A shared IP means there's a IP address that's pointed out to the web that is sending out email from multiple clients of that particular email service provider. That's a shared IP, and IP meaning IP address. A dedicated IP address is you have your own IP address that only your organization is sending email out on. Now, in order to uh, need or want a dedicated IP address, typically you have to have pretty high volume. Uh, and typically you have to be working with a solution that's usually pretty high cost. But the difference in deliverability of your email can be huge. And the reason being is with a shared IP address, if a bad actor, not your organization, but someone else sends out spam, on that IP address, that IP address could potentially be blacklisted on, there's a number, there's you know dozens of blacklist providers out there that say these are IP addresses of email servers that send spam. And when you're on a shared IP address, then the potential of someone else ruining it for everyone on that shared IP address is, is high. Having a dedicated IP address means that only your 
organization is sending out email and that IP address. So if your organization is marked as spam in any of these things, then you have a challenge to go through and clean it up. Now, email service providers, many of the larger ones, they have entire staff ded dedicated to two things is uh, one, figuring out, you know, people that are bad actors and getting off their system and two, going out and cleaning up these um, spam list reports so that everyone on a share, a particular shared IP address doesn't get blocked because of one organization, one company, one person that decided to send out spam on that email service provider. Uh, so what you're looking for here is does your does the email service provider have that option of providing a share of a dedicated IP versus a shared IP address? And if something happens, then do they have a team in place to make sure they go out and clean up those lists? The next item, the next key to consider when selecting an email service provider is your list volume. If you are a large organization and have a very large list, so at Food for the Hungry, we had about 225,000 people on our list. That, I, that for a nonprofit, I would consider a pretty large list. You want to make sure that the systems that you're looking at can handle the list volume that you're sending. One of uh, the clients that I've worked with in the past uh, is sending 20 to 25 emails a month, many of them segmenting different audiences. But they, they have a very large list for talking hundreds of thousands of people on their list, and they're sending out a very large volume of email every single day. So you want to make sure that the email service provider that you select, if you're in that case, can handle the volume of email that you're sending out. Next, the fifth item on my list of keys to consider when selecting an email service provider is testing. Now, testing allows you to send out one or more emails with uh, a variable that you change in order to test the response or an engagement metric based on that variable that you changed. For example, a pretty common one is to A-B test your subject line. So does your email service provider allow you to automatically A-B test your subject line? Uh, and that is to put in two different versions of your subject line and then measure the results some sometimes for some of these metrics you're looking for um, a very short-term test so you might do uh, a you might split your list and say i want 10 percent of my list to receive subject line a i want 10 percent of my list to receive subject line b and i want to wait two hours and whichever subject line a or b gets the most opens i want you the email service provider to then send the other 80 percent of my list that version that got more opens so there's a variety of different tests that you can run. You can A-B test things like your sender name, your subject line, the copy, design. There's a number of things that you can test. And what you're looking for is an automated way to both test what's going on and then to uh, test smaller percentages of your list uh, and then, then take action based on the results of that test automatically to send to the rest of the list. Now, there are some types of tests that if you don't have an integrated uh, email service solution that can look at things like donations that you might want to be, uh, you might want to split the entire list and test. So an example might be a graphical email versus a all text email. And your test metric that you want to test is a number of donations that come through. In that case, you're not looking for a 10, 10, 80 split where you send a 10%, another 10%, and then the 80%. Oftentimes with those kind of tests, you're probably going to do a 50-50 test where you send one version to 50% of your file and then another version to the other 50% of your file. 
measure the results of how many people donate. Uh, and then that gives you um, a key into insights into the future for what kind of emails you want to send. So testing can be a crucial part of your digital marketing strategy and really help you create emails that move your organization forward. Number six on my keys to consider when selecting an email service provider is automation. Automation is so vital to creating a great donor experience for the people that are on your file. It can be used for when you bring on a new lead to create a welcome series to help try to convert them to a donor. It can be used for a new single gift donor to move them down the path to giving a second gift. It can be used for a new monthly donor to make them feel at home, to trust the organization, and to really understand what your organization is trying to accomplish. It can be also be used for things like uh, automating when someone's credit card expires for a monthly donor in order to get them to give again. So automation is uh, really nowadays one of the keys to your success as a digital marketer and something I look for when I'm evaluating email service providers is how powerful are the automation tools that they have, how easy is it to set up uh, for people who aren't technical, and what kind of things can we automate. When you have marketing automation as one of the tools in your tool belt as a marketer, it really opens up your ability to get more things done because you're not constantly trying to go and uh, repeat processes. Instead, you're creating automations that help move a donor down a path, move a lead down a path to become a donor, and really help move uh, people who may be unengaged with the organization to become engaged again. So automation can be one of the key features that you look for when you're selecting an email service provider. Next, I want to look for how um, the tool itself, what kind of analytics and measuring functions does it have? What's the reporting like? How does it handle things like Apple's privacy changes in order to give you accurate things like open rates, click-through rates, information that you can use to know whether or not your email marketing is being successful, and information that you can use in order to um, really engage your email file in a way that makes them want to stay on your file. And analysts can really help you do this. And so I'm looking for what kind of reporting does the system have, what kind of measurement tools does the system have, and how can you make changes to what you're doing based on those analytics. Number eight, the number eight key to consider when selecting an email service provider is ease of use. How easy is it for a non-technical person to use this system? What you don't want to do, and I've, I've had these systems in the past, is to put in place an email marketing system that is so technical and difficult to use that only someone who understands how to code HTML um, can really understand how to dig in and, and find functions within the system, can use the system. Uh, when you uh, set yourself up like that, then hiring someone to take on email marketing, which can be one of the most effective ways to increase revenue with your organization, 
it really becomes a challenge because you're going to end up having to find someone who's more technical in nature and may not have the marketing skills that you need. It's much easier to find someone with the marketing skills that you need than it is to find a technical programmer that uh, can manage your email marketing system. So ease of use is one of the vital things that you want to consider when you're selecting a new email service provider. Number nine is how does the system scale? So as your organization grows, and there's really two things that I'm looking for in, in this. One is how does it scale in terms of handling a much larger file than you currently have? And how does it scale from a budget perspective? What you don't want to do is tie into an email service provider where you have at 10,000 email addresses on file. It's very affordable. And when you move to 30,000, it becomes really unaffordable. And so you want to look at those two parts of scaling is can it handle growth as your organization grows your email file? And can your budget handle that growth as your organization grows your email file? Those two things are, are quite essential to making sure that you have the right email service provider. What you don't want to do is have one of those things fail and have just a year or two into a new system have to go out and pick another new system. Uh, those can be really a challenging time uh, to migrate between systems and, and inside your organization it become a challenge to you because people don't like migrations. System migrations are challenging, they're messy, it's not something people want to go through more than once. Next on my list is data security. How secure is this system at keeping the data that you have, your email addresses, possibly your donor information, um, what kind of security does your email service provider use? Uh, when I'm selecting an email service provider, I'm really only looking at the very large providers. Many of them are still have affordable plans for smaller organizations, but what I know is that with a larger organization like a MailChimp or a HubSpot or a Constant Contact, what I know is that they're investing in data security because it's key to their organization's continued growth is to make sure that your email file is as secure as possible. It should be one of the things that you look at when you're considering selecting an email service provider. Key number 11 to consider for selecting an email service provider is what happens when something goes wrong? What kind of help are you going to be provided? There are several email service providers out there that have such a large customer base that when something does go wrong, that instead of helping you, they just kick you off the system. And what I mean is I've, I've heard of a number of organizations where a mistake was made, an email was sent out, there was a high percentage, a high percentage according to the email service provider, maybe not a high percentage in your own mind, of complaints or spam reports, and their account is frozen, terminated, and they're not permitted to rejoin as an organization. That can be a huge challenge when you're dealing with emails and something that you need to look out for and, and speaking to peers within the industry can help you identify does this particular email service provider provide you help when something goes wrong or do they just terminate your account and move on? You don't want them to terminate your account because that, as I mentioned a second ago, that migration can be painful. It can be more than painful when something goes wrong and you're having to migrate your account and you may not even have access to the data in your account. So what I want to know when I'm looking at email service providers is will they help me if something goes wrong? 
The final key to consider when selecting an email service provider is mobile support. If you look at the data analytics of your file and how many people are reading your emails on a mobile device, what you'll probably find is that way over 50% of the people that are reading your emails are doing so on a mobile device. And probably half of the people that are reading your emails are doing so on an Apple mobile device. So you want to know and make sure that as you're sending out email that the system is designed in a way that really provides clean and crisp mobile emails so that the over 50% of the people that are reading your emails, that they can engage in the email in a meaningful way. I mentioned a minute ago about the having help when something goes wrong. And one time, several years ago, we were in the middle of an email migration and we were defining out the steps of what do we need to do after we migrate all of our email addresses into this new system, what do we need to do to clean up our file and make sure that the that we're sending to the right people? And unfortunately, uh, the person on staff that was working for me at the time skipped some steps uh, and ended up sending out some emails to a much wider audience than uh, we wanted to. And so it went to some people who were on some email lists that should not have received it. We got a number of complaints and then with that, um, our IP address that we had a dedicated IP address was reported as potential spam. And then we had to go through the process of cleaning that up, which is a, not a short process uh, and quite painful. And initially, we didn't recognize exactly what was going on until I started looking at our bounce rate number percentage was really high. And so I started digging in and, and figured out that we had a number of complaints uh, that, ended, that we ended up on, on some blacklists for spam. And so there are ways to appeal those and explain what happened, which we did. But understanding uh, how an email migration should go uh, goes a long way to making sure that you don't run into the kind of uh, bad situation that we did. It took about four weeks to really get everything cleaned up and probably 12 weeks before we were able to really get um, ourselves back on our feet and sending at the same percentages that we were sending at before. So it's really vital for your organization as you're going through this migration of systems that you create a checklist of what you're going to do and then that you do those things so that the wrong list don't accidentally get sent to, that um, emails that should be migrated are and that you're not including more than what should be migrated uh, and that as you move into this new system that the whole uh, system uh, migration itself, that that whole process goes smoothly for both your organization and for your email recipients. Because what I never want to do is to send uh, emails to people who don't want those emails. And, and it can be really risky at this time uh, to make sure that when you do this migration, that you're doing so in a way that honors those email recipients' desires and wishes for being on your email file. So I'm going to walk through six steps now for how you um, decide to make that change and how you evaluate a new email service provider um, with that change. So step number one is to rank the features that you need. So as I walked through those keys to consider when selecting the email service provider, 
They may be more than just those you might be looking for. What kind of template support does the system have? And, and how easy is a WYSIWYG designer on there for you to be, be able to drop in images and things? There may be other keys for you as an organization when you're selecting that email service provider. And so you want to list out all those features that you need and rank them so that you understand as you're evaluating systems whether or not those systems will meet the needs of your organization. Step number two, define your budget. As I mentioned, there's a number of really great email marketing systems out there. They really range in price. You know, I've, I've been with email service providers that are five to six digits a month in cost for very large email files, all the way down to the $20 MailChimp uh, plan, which is not a bad plan, but the budget, your budget can really define whether or not you can afford uh, the the system that has all of the marketing automation integration functions you need, or whether or not your budget is uh, more of a um, lower cost email service provider uh, options. Step number three is to identify the potential systems that you want to consider as your email service providers. There's a number of ways to do this. There's lots of um, articles on the web that list um, different email service providers that you could evaluate. Uh, you could go to whoever your donation management system is. You can go to the company there and ask them for who do they recommend and who do they support, who do they have an integration with. There's a number of ways that you can identify potential systems, but you want to list out the potential systems and evaluate their fit. Number four, evaluate their fit compared to the features that you've ranked that you need as an organization. So how does this a list of potential systems, how do they meet the needs that you've already defined in step one of ranking those features that you need as an organization? Will this email service provider fit those needs? Step number five, ask for client references. Not every email service provider is going to give you a client reference list, but you can also reach out within uh, the industry to talk to people who might have the same donation management system you have, people in interagency working groups or in associations, and ask them, who do you use and what do you think about uh, your current email service provider? And I, I've done this a number of times, and people will be really honest with you about the pluses and the minuses, and every system has them, the pluses and the minuses of the system. And then you can evaluate for yourself whether or not those pluses or minuses have an impact on your decision on which email service provider to select. The final step, review the support options and the knowledge base on their website. What I will do here is uh, literally call in to the support and, and just talk with them about your organization uh, and what kind of things that you're looking for. And you can have, get a really good evaluation of their phone support options through something like that. A lot of organizations, depending on your plan, a lot of ESPs might offer other support options like online chat or even for lower cost options, your only option for support might be email. Uh, you have to evaluate that as a part of the fit for your organization. If something goes wrong, how willing are they to A, work with you, and B, how available are they when you do call? So if you have email-only support, 
what kind of response time are you going to get with email-only support? If you're getting 72 or uh, hours or more uh, response time, that can be a really big challenge for your organization, especially up against things like Giving Tuesday or end of year. If you have an email problem and it's end of year and you're not going to get someone's not going to get back to you for three or four business days over a holiday, um, that can really impact your fundraising. So you really want to know what kind of support options are available. And what are what do you have access to as a client of that potential of that potential email service provider? Take a look at the knowledge base that they have on their website. A lot of these organizations have really robust knowledge bases that can help you as an organization during a migration uh, or when you run into an issue. The knowledge base can be a hindrance or it can be a positive for you as an experience. So take a look at the knowledge base they have: training articles, tutorials, videos the whole library and see what kind of support options do they provide through their knowledge base. Picking an email service provider, it's a big decision and it's one that shouldn't be taken lightly. With so many options on the market, it can be tough to know where to start. But if you keep all of these factors in mind, and you follow these steps that we walk through today, then you should be able to narrow down your options and choose an email service provider that's right for your team. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nonprofit Answers Podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting service. Your rating and review will help other nonprofit professionals find this podcast to get their nonprofit questions answered. Thanks again.